Now join me on the line is uh, my my frequent guest, and it today as we take this celebrating a birthday. I I know you're like a woman; you don't want to say your age, so <laughs> I want to I won't I won't ask you your age. Boxing commentator extraordinaire, sweet baby Ray Ray Flores. What's happening? I'm doing great, man. Thank you very much for the birthday wishes. I'll admit to you, like I, I put it out there in the fact that I'm blessed to be 37, but I feel like I'm 27, man. So I, I feel a lot. I feel great, like I'm in my mid 20s. Well, yeah, it's about when I met you, you were in your mid 20s. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like a teenager back then. Yeah, well, you got you got as much, if not more, energy now than you did back then. So, I, I uh... do, <laughs> which is crazy. Low blow gate uh, that happened in Poland over the weekend with that. Saw what happened, uh, especially in the fifth round. What uh, what did you see? And what you know, since maybe seeing replays and still pictures and everything afterwards. What what are your uh, evaluations? I think what happened between Usyk and Dubois. Uh, I'll be honest, Mark. I think that. From my perspective, it was so close that it's, I I don't think it's, I I think either case has, or either side has a case. But from my perspective, I do believe it was a bit low, like a tad bit low. With that being said, though, I mean, it was, that was a a very interesting part of the fight and and people want to continue to harp on it, but you got to look at the fact that, you know, Usyk was able to turn it around and, and do what he did and put down Dubois, whereas Dubois could never really capitalize on that momentum that he had with that in that particular moment, even though it wasn't ruled a knockdown, et cetera, et cetera. But it was almost um, their moments in a fight. And, and it's almost like uh, when, when you're in a world championship fight like that, you are like in a playoff game. Uh, in football and their moments you have one or two moments where it's going to swing the pendulum one way or the other and for Dubois he had that moment but he couldn't capitalize and and seize the opportunity so yeah it it is unfortunate but I'm not going to say that he lost the fight particularly because of that infraction so I, I know that they are Frank Warren has said that he's going to you know, issue a letter to the WBA and ask for immediate rematch. I would, I'm okay with it because who knows what Tyson Fury is going to do. I mean, he's fighting Francis Ngannou. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe he's going to fight a, a, a YouTuber or, a, or, a, or an ex-MMA guy. Uh, he might want to go the, uh, the Jake Paul route, which, hey, that's fine, but he's the heavyweight champion of the world. So I, I'd like to see unification at some point. But if, if Usyk needs a dance partner because Usyk likes to fight a lot and he likes to be consistent and he wants to run it back with Dubois, then I say, hey, you know what? Leave no doubt. It's like a Floyd Mayweather effect. When Floyd fought Maidana the first time, he beat him handily. Not handily, but he beat him in a competitive fight. He said, I want to run it back to show that there were no doubts whatsoever. I think Usyk could take that route if a unification fight with Fury is not on the table. Well, it's funny. A couple things. I agree with you that he obviously had a guy hurt. I mean, Usyk was hurt after that shot, and he really didn't seize that opportunity to kind of, even though Usyk got about thirty-two minutes to uh, to, to 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 recover for that. Um, your interpretation to the rules, I, I'm like starting to question myself. When I thought was it, it's a good blow because they always 
say the belt line. Then I see people on on uh, whatever the heck Eli Musk uh, calls that that, that uh, thing now X Twitter Y. Who knows? Three point one four. I have no idea. <laughs> People are saying it's below the navel. Is it below? Is it below the belt? Is it below the belt lines? Below the navel? What is the rule? And what you what you interpret? I, I think the rule is what the referee when when he brings them to the center, and and people lose sight of that because they're like, oh, well, look at the facial expressions and look at this and that. I look at when the referee says. And, and at that moment, that's the final call. That is the ultimate call where he says, this is low. He will point and say, this is low. This is not. He said that Pabon said that. And under the jurisdiction, based on what Pabon said and what he used with his hand mannerisms, as they were facing off prior to the sound of bell one, it was technically low. So... It's just by an individual case-by-case basis. I don't think, like, the rule book is open to interpretation with that particular thing because it is on the referee's discretion. And Pabon said that on both guys. Dubois, unfortunately, from my standpoint, hit a bit below what Pabon did. Therefore, it was technically an illegal blow. Was it egregious? Absolutely not. It was as borderline as you can come, but... It's for me, it's like baseball terms. I know you're a very big baseball guy. The tie goes to the runner, and that's how it is, man. Yeah, because, you know, you always hear the belt line. And when I hear belt line, you know, just to bring that that into the equation, is that whole elastic area. Because the top of your belt, you don't put your belt on the top of your pants. You put it on that whole little belt area through the – through the holes, and in boxing trunk terms, it's that whole elastic area that was on the elastic area, yep. in my opinion. In my opinion, and the other thing is, and you know, not get too graphic is unless Usyk's uh, quote private areas are all the way up, kind of right below his stomach, which which is probably uh, uh, in, uh, humanly impossible. <laughs> he he didn't get hit there. He got hit yeah. in the stomach. I mean, it's but again, if you look at the the sanctioning bodies and the promoters and everyone involved, they sign off on the referee. So when you do that, then you have to allow the referee to have his discretion. And is Pabon my favorite referee in the world? No, he's not. But he was the referee in charge, that third man inside the squared circle. And that's what he ruled. So based on that alone is what happened. So. It's kind of it's unfortunate on both sides because it just sucks that we're talking about this particular moment instead of saying, "Damn, like Dubois fought better than what we thought with with having that moment." But Usyk is is Usyk. So uh, okay, so we'll close the uh, the door on that. The last time I had a chance to talk to you, we we talked a couple of days. We were in the in the 133 degree tent in Las Vegas before the Crawford Spence fight. So that was before the fight. Obviously, we've had about we've had exactly a month uh, as we taped this, a month and one day to digest uh, everything that went on. Uh, just I haven't gotten the Ray Flores uh, assessment of the uh, immaculate performance by Terence Crawford on July 29th. Uh, it was just such an experience to watch greatness inside that ring. What Terrence Crawford did against Errol Spence on July 29th, 
it is one of those things where I'm going to say we, we really saw history in, in more ways than one. Not only the first championship, the, the first title holder, the first undisputed uh, welterweight champion in the four belt era, but Terrence Crawford is a once in a generation talent. I knew he was good. I felt he was great, but he proved that he is just such a special fighter. I mean, that was just, I was sitting there in awe watching what he did to decimate Errol Spence Jr. on July 29th. Uh, he is truly one of those guys that I believe could be elite at any level. Everyone talks about all the levels of the 80s or the 90s, whatever. Terrence Crawford, no matter what era, would be a world champion in any era that he decided to step into because he's that good and he's that brilliant of a prize fighter. And to steamroll Errol Spence in, in that fashion, I mean, my goodness, my hat's off to him. If, if I did, I'm not going to wear a hat because I like my hair. But um, I'm just, you know, I was just blown away by a Terrence Crawford's performance. Uh, in fact, into it i got on that plane coming home uh after the fight thinking i think terrence crawford and i'm not gonna put you on the spots on the relationship with this this man i think terrence crawford would beat floyd mayweather you think so yeah wow See, I, I, I i think at some point he would get to him wow. i just think think he would because because he's not a wild swinger he's pretty precise with his punches and at some point he would get to him I just I I don't know why I would think that I don't know maybe it was the heat of the moment that got to me yeah. I, I don't know but you know what what's great about this Mark about about what you're saying I, I think Floyd would find a way to to win a seven to five decision but it would be an amazing fight but we're seeing the best like Terrence Crawford proved that this is his era the welterweight division so after Floyd there was sort of this all right Crawford Spence Crawford Spence Crawford proved. 147, he's the man. So we were watching the Terrence Crawford era, and it was definitive on July 29th. Now I'm pumped to see what could potentially be next in terms of him going to 54, the rematch with Spence. That it Do you want to see like, the rematch? Do you want to see the rematch 54, 47? No, I want to see the rematch at 54. I don't want to see the rematch at 47 because I, I mean, Floyd, I, I don't know if I told you, but Floyd Mayweather was sitting in front of me and literally looks back and says, How dare him? No, he go. He literally looks back at me and he says, "He was like, he goes, Spence is outgrown this weight. He should be fighting here. He needs to move up to 160." I'm like, "Whoa, 160!" He goes, "He's drained. He's." He said early in the fight, he goes, "He wasn't really getting hit with too many big, powerful punches, and it was affecting him." He goes, "He's just, he's drained." I think with this particular fight, I look at it the way that. Wilder when he lost to Tyson Fury the first time in their second fight you gotta give a guy who's been undefeated and world champion for so many years another opportunity especially if it's in the contract and both sides agree people were talking in you know in the lead-up to Wilder Fury 3 how could this happen we know what the result's gonna be blah blah and it was one of the greatest heavyweight fights that we've ever seen now, are we going to get one of the greatest super welterweight fights that we're ever going to see? I don't know if that's the case, but I'll tell you what. I do think we get a better account from Errol Spence Jr. Is it enough to beat Terrence Crawford? I don't know. But you know what? you got to give the champion another opportunity to see what he's going to go out. And, and if he wants it, 
I say let him do it, and we'll see how it goes. As sick as this sounds, and this is the perfect segue or perfect bridge to where I want to go here, Canelo Alvarez. I think Crawford is going to fight Canelo Alvarez at some point. We'll yep. get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. But segue to Canelo Alvarez, uh, September 30th, Jamel Charlo. It's, it's a very interesting fight. Great card. Uh, I I won't be there for once. I know uh, you always put that you're pumped for cars, pump, yeah. pump, pump. This is one I think the fans, the whole card, should be pumped for. Uh, let's just uh, focus right now on the main event, Canelo Alvarez and Jamel Charlo. Well, I, like you, will be a spectator for the first time in many years, um, you know, and I will be watching it overseas. So, so my brother will be there and stuff. I will be with one championship for uh, one fight wow. 14. So I will be out in Singapore watching it on, um, you know, Sunday morning. So if, so uh, if you're watching on Sunday morning, you'll know who wins. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> but I'll, I'll be watching it Sunday morning live in Singapore. And, and I am very intrigued by this fight. You know why? Because it is, um, you know, Canelo Alvarez is still, you know, the, the cash cow in boxing. And, you know, when, when he came out and, and he's back with premier boxing champions, he's fighting a guy who's very hungry, who's very determined, who has gotten past every obstacle that's been put in front of him in the squared circle and, and I think styles make fights. And, and I think this is going to be uh, an intriguing matchup. With that being said, I, I do believe that, you know, Canelo being the bigger man will serve him well. But you cannot count out Jermel Charlo based on the fact that Charlo has had to deal with adversity in his career. And as you pointed out, the card is absolutely stacked. I mean, Jesus Ramos, Erickson, Lubin, let's be real here. That could be a main event anywhere in the world. Uh, it is a loaded card, and I think fight fans are going to get a treat on September uh, 30th in Las Vegas. So um, just r- real quickly, uh, I think Canelo has maybe, I don't want to say slip, but he maybe is on a little bit on the other side of the mountain. He didn't look great against Golovkin, didn't look great against John Ryder. Like you said, you have a hungry, athletic Jamel Charlo. The, the weight means nothing to me. He's a, you know, he, he's a big kid at 100. 168, uh, with Jamel Charlo. Not picking it up, So that's my thing. And real quickly, like I just mentioned it, um, we, 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 t- we said, uh, I, I think Terrence Crawford at some point is going to fight Canelo Alvarez, and if and if the fight happens two, three fights down the line, uh, Terrence Crawford's got a real good chance to win that fight, in my opinion. I think that fight could potentially, and a lot of stuff has to happen. And this is where of I'm, course. I'm, I'm excited, potentially, but a lot of stuff has to happen in the sense that, you know, Crawford would have to beat Spence a second time. Which he will. Or, I mean, look. I can't count out Errol Spence. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna have an open mind and say Spence has a shot because I do think he does. Major adjustments have to happen. But again, Derek James, Errol Spence. I, I've known those guys for over a decade. I'm not gonna count them out because I think Errol Spence, even losing to Crawford, is still a very special fighter. When it comes to Canelo, it all depends on you know can he get past Jermel Charlo, and then in May. 
will he be able to, if he fights in May, will he beat Jamal Charlo? And, and if that is his opponent for May, so if Crawford and Canelo were to happen, I believe it would take place next September uh, during Mexican Independence Day weekend in Las Vegas. I know the UFC has it now, but let's be real. I think Vegas is going to say, hey, Dana, that's cool and all. You know, you're doing a smaller card, but Canelo and Crawford would certainly trump that in uh, next year in September. But some things have to align, and I think it is such a compelling matchup. And uh, because, you know, I, they say a big man, a very good big man beats a, a, a smaller man, a, a highly skilled smaller man. And we see that happen over the course of time. But Terrence Crawford could be that outlier that just finds a way because he's so big, he's so strong, he's so athletic, he's so explosive, he carries the weight well. He was having issues already with 47. We'll see how he responds at 54. I don't think he's going to miss a beat at 54. And then going up to 168, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for him to have a lot of success, especially against the fact that he's a mover and he's a boxer puncher. We'll see how that goes, man. But, you know, I'd love to see it. Well, uh, Ray, thank you for a few minutes of your time. And two, two quick non-boxing questions. Uh, yeah. We got going on for the birthday. Uh, I'm going to go to Gibson Steakhouse in downtown Chicago, my favorite steakhouse in the city with my parents and my brothers. I'm going to enjoy that. And then I'm going to go see a lot of my friends over at um, one of the taverns that I enjoy here in Chicago, Duffy's Tavern, and see like 40 or 50 of, of my friends that, you know, here in Chicago on a Wednesday evening and uh, celebrate I I my birthday. I wish I would have known before now. I would have sent over one of those big cakes with maybe someone popping out of it. But I, <laughs> I, and the other thing is, you mentioned about being in Singapore, one championship. What else you got on the on the docket? So I'm going to be in, in in Asia back to back weeks. So I got oh, one wow. fight night, fourteen. When it comes to uh, you know Stamp and Hamsi Ohim, that'll be on September 29th here in the United States on Prime Video, eight Eastern, five Pacific time. One week later. I will be in Bangkok for one fight night, 15 on Prime Video. So back-to-back Fridays, uh, end of September, early October, we got Tawan Shai and Super Bun, uh, which is going to be a ridiculous Muay Thai World Championship affair between two Thai fighters who are legends out in Thailand and in the world of Muay Thai kickboxing. So I, I can't wait back-to-back weeks. Uh, are you staying there or you yeah, come I will, back? I will. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and I will – I'm literally going to go from Kansas City – uh, we're going to be celebrating my uh, my brother Miguel's 30th birthday. We're going to go to Bears and Chiefs. And then I will go to Singapore on Monday, and I will be in Singapore uh, that entire week. Spent a couple of days in Singapore. Head to Bangkok on Tuesday. Do some shopping in Bangkok because I love the shopping in Bangkok. And then get ready for fight week on Wednesday. And then, uh, you know, do the fight on uh, Friday night here in the United States, uh, Saturday morning out in Lumpini Boxing Stadium. And then um, head home and enjoy uh, a week of NFL football. Bears and Chiefs. Sorry, Michael. We cut. Can't hear me. Yeah, I got you now. Gotcha. You got me now. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I said, I said two non-boxing questions. Make it three. You mentioned Bears yeah. and Chiefs. Yesterday was cut down day, so now all we can do now is look forward to the NFL season. I know you're excited. Your Bears. They they uh, killed it in free agency. I got some good good guys in the draft. What do you, what do you expect in sixteen and one from the Bears? No, 
it's not going to be 16 and one. Let, let me be humble about things. The right, Bears 14 and three. The Bears are going to be nine and eight. They're going to squeak into the playoffs in the wild card. The Detroit Lions are going to win the division because the NFL would not put the Detroit Lions in a primetime position to start the year against the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs if they didn't believe that they had even a remote chance of being competitive and being a breakout team. I think that the NFL believes that the Lions are a breakout team. I think they t- they take that next step. I think the Lions are 11-6. and six. I think the Bears are 9-7. and seven. I believe the Bears squeak into the playoffs, and I do believe that the Bears handle Jim Boone's Green Bay Packers next Sunday at Soldier Field on the lakefront. I'm not going to be there working. I'm going to be there as a fan. I can't wait. I'm going to be tailgating uh, from 9 o'clock in the morning with my first and 10 tailgate crew. We raise money and toys for Lori's Children's Hospital for you know kids that are sick during the holidays. So excited about that and to see all my Bears family uh, next Sunday for week one uh, on the lakefront at my favorite place on the planet, Soldier Field. Guys, uh, just, uh, just a ball of energy, especially on his birthday. <laughs> no doubt about it, man. You know how it is. Thanks. Thanks as always, Ray. Appreciate it, bro. Always. Uh-huh. Appreciate it, man.